turn together to Psalm 32. This is the first Sunday in, uh, in Lent. And if you weren't here last week, uh, we kind of just went over the basics of kind of what is, what is Lent in the first place and uh, where does it come from and all that. And I would just encourage you to reference uh, the podcast from last week to kind of, you know, maybe catch some of you up on that. Um, in general, the idea is that when God created the people of Israel, He gave them a calendar. And uh, that calendar was to help orient them around like, the things that were important. And so year after year, they go through these different seasons, and He's just continually teaching them these things that they need to know, focusing them on the things they need to focus on. And so uh, the church calendar is modeled off of that Old Testament ca- calendar from Israel, um, we just do the New Testament version of those things. And so Lent is a 40-day season of, of prayer and sacrifice and self-examination of the heart and mind. Um, looking toward Easter. And you know it says that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. And so we have set our faces toward Jerusalem as well. Which When he did that, he was basically like, alright, time to go to the cross. And that's what we're doing as well. And so it gives us several weeks of just going through some, just breaking up of our routines and disciplines and things like that in order to really prepare ourselves to celebrate the resurrection uh, in its fullness. And so this is, it began on Wednesday. This is the first Sunday of Advent. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about some things that um, are, like, you may not like very much. And that's okay. Uh, Several years ago, before we planted it as a church, when the, when the ring as a college ministry was at its largest point numerically, there were, there were about 350 to 400 people coming on Sunday nights over to Parkview uh, to, be, you know, to worship together and stuff. And um, It, it kind of just got to be like something where we were like, man, where are all these people coming from? Why are they showing up? We don't really know. And, uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun, honestly. And uh, then, like, all of a sudden, like, there's just, like, a nosedive in attendance. And we didn't really know what was going on, and nobody knew how to articulate it, and we weren't mature enough to seek wisdom, you know, older than us at the time. And uh, it was just kind of one of those things. Uh, so we went from, like, 400 people on a Sunday to, like, 150 people on a Sunday, just in a matter of weeks. And then uh, eventually we realized that the, the teaching had shifted from what it was before toward uh, like the atonement and the cross and sin and you know the wrath of God and Jesus absorbing the wrath and all those kinds of things and people they just didn't want to hear it you know like they had been coming for this series like through the Old Testament where we t- we looked at like David and Goliath and Daniel and the Lions Den like all these like the greatest hits of the Old Testament you know and like they liked that because it was it was funny you know like you revisited things and and whatever and then there's just it's just hard to make you know the cross funny. That's a joke. Uh, see, I told you, it's hard. Uh, really hard to do that. Um, and then people would say, like, well, maybe, you know, like, remember, they would tell me, like, remember when you were funny, you know? I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, 
I do remember that. And it really was. I was like, how do you make wrath fun? And not that I was trying to make the Old Testament fun. It just, there's just something different when you start talking about sin and the cross and why Jesus came and all that kind of stuff. It just, it's just different. And so I think there's so much goodness in us looking at the church calendar and realizing that uh, for several weeks we're going to look at Advent. We're going to look at the incarnation of Jesus and the making of all things new. Um, for several weeks, we're going to prepare ourselves for re- for the resurrection, and um, we're going to just we're going to talk about those things that maybe people don't really want to talk about very much. Uh, and so, I'm not saying the next couple weeks are going to be a drag. They're going to be awesome because talking about sin, while there's a heaviness that's there, there's a goodness that reigns over that because of what Jesus has done. Um, and so, just you just need to know, for the next couple weeks, just kind of where we're going to go. And so, what I want to do tonight is sort of get us ready for that in, in a way that I believe, um, looking at something that is like incredibly absent in a lot of our lives. Um, so, let's look at Psalm 32. We're just going to walk through the whole thing. Um, so, we'll go to the first two verses, and then we'll stop. Uh, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Okay? So, David is, is saying what Jesus is going to say in the Sermon on the Mount, and kind of like saying, like, okay, um, if you really want to know who's blessed, like what a blessed life looks like, like who is truly well off, in connection to what's real and true, um, then you need to look at like, reality through this lens. Like if you are forgiven, the Lord has not counted iniquity against you. Um, your transgression is forgiven. Your sin is covered. Um, the Lord counts no iniquity. There's no deceit in your spirit. That's, that's life. Like that's, you are truly alive. You are truly well off. That is how God designed you to live. Um, I believe to bring it into like a modern application as well, it's kind of saying like, don't buy the lies that the world is throwing to you all the time. That fancy car is not going to make you joyful. Um, that bigger house, that bigger salary, that whatever, like, don't buy the lies. Don't believe what people are telling you. Don't believe what commercials are advertising. Um, you just like take take just the just your experience viewing the Super Bowl, and think about how many lies came through the television, you know. Um, and I'm not saying you, so you put a brick through the television. I'm just saying like you just need to be aware that that they're selling these products, promising something, and none of it delivers. None of it. Not the commercials. Not the halftime show. None of that stuff provides what it's claiming to provide. It doesn't. It's lying to you. Um, and so. Jesus, David, God himself is just making sure that you know, just don't, don't buy into that. All those things will not bring you joy. Real joy comes from forgiveness of sin. And that's, and that's who we are, right? That's what we talk about here at the ring so much is identity and being a saint because of Christ and not a sinner anymore and how he's... He's given us a new heart, and he's, he's renewing our minds, and he's teaching us how to live in the kingdom, and 
The 23rd Psalm is real, like Jesus really is your shepherd, and all these things that we talk about all the time. So what David says here, what he's describing is who we are as um, members of the new covenant in Christ. We are blessed, like that's what makes our lives real and true, is that we have been forgiven. And... I think that what, as tremendous and as awesome as that is, I think sometimes we, we fail to um, apply that properly to our lives. And so maybe in some ways, um, not having a thorough understanding of what that means gets us in trouble. And David figured this out, and he shares it with us in the psalm. Look at the next, next two verses. For when I kept silent... My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Okay? So, for some of us, there's this, there's this disconnect when you start hearing about a, like abundant life and life in Christ and Abiding in Christ and all this kind of stuff. And so, so you, I think you maybe can come around, be a part of this community, hear, hear these teachings over and over and over again, and you really like you want that so much. And you're like, okay, if that's all true, then how come there's just so much stagnance in my life? You know? How, how come things just really aren't clicking if Jesus is, is giving me abundance, then why don't I sense that my life is filled with abundance? And I think the reason is because we, we sometimes fail to distinguish between sin and sins. So sin has been dealt with and taken care of. So if you look, you look in Hebrews 7, Hebrews 9, Hebrews 10, um, all of them say that, like in all those chapters, you hear this phrase that Jesus, He was the once- for all sacrifice. Like he's taking care of sin. He's freed us from that bondage. And so in your life, you're no longer a slave to sin if you have placed your faith in what Jesus has done on, on the cross. And you've surrendered your life to him and you are following after him as a disciple. That exchange of he takes your life out and puts his life in, that, that's happened. And so sin has been dealt with. And a lot of times... We, we kind of just like, well, that's, that's enough. And it is enough. It's just not all of it. Because while we are free and we are redeemed and we are all these things, as we go through life, sin has been conquered. And so now it's daily battle with sins. You know? So you're a saint who struggles with sin. You're not a sinner. You're a saint. So you've been freed to love Jesus before you couldn't love Him. And now you're free to love Him, to choose Him, to be obedient to Him, to follow after Him. And sometimes, sometimes we, we do. Like we, we choose Him and we're obedient and it's amazing. And other times we choose not Him. You know, we choose ourselves. We choose what's, what we think is going to make us happy in that moment. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes we become really callous and we don't even realize it. And so that becomes what needs to be dealt with now. 
He's taking care of sin, freed us, and now we're free to choose Him. We're also free to choose ourselves. And so when we're choosing ourselves over and over and over again, we have to deal with that somehow. And I think that's the problem. I think that's when people are like, I, just, I feel such stagnance in my relationship with God. I think that that's the problem. Is there's all, there are these sins that have, haven't been processed and dealt with properly. So sometimes maybe, maybe we, we focus so much on identity and freedom and grace that, that maybe we overlook the fact that pretty much every day, some form or another, we're saying, no, God, I, I know you have what's best for me, but I, I think I know better than you in this area of life, and I'm going to choose this. And what that does is that like, we, end up, we end up like a, it is like a cesspool, you know, it's like, Streams that have like traveled and they end up in this like you know, little ditch or whatever, and it has no outlet, and just piles up, and then it just begins to fester and grow all this weird stuff, and it just becomes disgusting, you know. And so maybe for some of you, that's how you'd be like, that's exactly what my spiritual life is like. Like I know God has something better for me, but I have no idea what's going on to deal with it, and I, I really think it's because we have not uh, conditioned ourselves to deal with sins properly in our lives. And so here's David talking about the blessed life of forgiveness. And then look what we just read in verse 3. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. And some of you are like, that's me. That's it right there. I feel like I'm wasting away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer, sometimes when we keep silent, we end up wasting away. Sometimes that callousness comes to where some of you look at that and you're like, you talk about like when David's talking about the heaviness of the Lord, that conviction, you're like, yes, I know what that's like. And some of you are like, you know what, I haven't felt that in a long time. Because much like if you start to play the guitar, and you start to learn to play guitar, it just rips your fingers up the first couple of times. The longer you play, you develop these calluses, and it doesn't even bother you anymore. And sin does the same thing. And so I think it's, it's not understanding how to deal with sins that's a big problem for a lot of us. We end up weak, and unsure what to do, and very frustrated And like David said, when I kept silent, this is what it led to. And so I think breaking the silence about our sin, uh, I think that's the discipline that we need. I believe that confession as a discipline is, is very, very absent from a lot of our lives. We see it all throughout the Bible. Like all the heroes of the faith, confession was something that they did. Like it was consistent. All of Paul's letters, he's like, confess. Don't look the other way about your sins. Acknowledge that stuff. We see it all throughout the scriptures. Yet I wonder sometimes if our, um, we get so excited about our freedom and grace that maybe we've overcorrected a little bit much. And sometimes maybe we, we act like, well, what I did today, that, sin, that really wasn't that big a deal because Jesus died for it anyway, right? 
Jesus did die for it, true. But it is a big deal also. And so we need to learn how to deal with this properly. And I think the discipline of confession needs to be reinstalled into many of our lives. Look at, look at the next verse. Verse 5. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And there's this word in your Bible that says, Selah, out to the side. Um, those of you who are acapella fans, uh, I know John Ringo, it's like his favorite group ever. Uh, there's an acapella group named Selah. This is where they got it from. Nobody really knows what it means. Most people think that it's a musical term that's just bringing a pause into the music. A couple years ago, uh, at a passion conference, they were like, if, they're like we're just going to do these moments of Selah. We're just going to pause. Uh, as, almost as if like David maybe put that in at times to be like, you know, this, 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 this. Now you just, just sit for a moment and realize what, what you just read, you know. And so maybe sometimes we need to just like read stuff and then just be like, let me just breathe that in. And just sit in that for a moment. I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. We go from the first two verses where David says, the blessed life is a life that is forgiven. He says, there was a time when I would not speak up and I kept this to myself and it was deteriorating my soul. So I've learned to confess my sin, to own up to what I did, to acknowledge that I have fallen short of your glory. And that leads to forgiveness. Now, we need to make sure that we, we are very faithful to have a New Testament application to this. So David's on the other side of the cross. Right? So on this side of the cross, we have to understand that the sins that we confess have been forgiven already. So confession is not like, you're not like triggering the forgiveness of God to come and apply to that sin. It's covered all of it. So confession must be about something more than getting God to forgive you. And look at the progression that goes, that goes through there. Acknowledging sin, not covering iniquity, confessing transgression, and then you forgave the iniquity of my sin. I think it brings us to, to a point of forgiveness as a state of mind and as a reality that we're able to live in. And so let me just, let me just give you like just three things I think you can walk through if you want confession to be like a discipline of your life, the first, the first one is confess. Duh. <laughs> confess. But yeah, I, I did it. And for some folks, that's the worst part of this whole deal. 
as having to acknowledge that you were wrong. There's some personality types who I just, like, basically that's like the worst thing imaginable to you. Is to have to own up to the fact that you did something you should not have done. It's what uh, counselor types, they would call you a blamer. Always looking for something to blame. You know, well, you know, it was peer pressure. Well, it was this. And, well, when I was a kid, this happened. And, uh, you know, this kind of like whatever. And, and I don't want to discount our upbringings. I don't want to discount peer pressure. I don't want to discount the enemy. I don't di- I don't, I'm not trying to belittle any of those things. But none of that stuff is a reason for us to withhold confession and saying, yeah, I did this. I did the wrong thing here. And if you're one of those people who just cannot say, my bad, then you need to listen to what the Scriptures are saying. You need to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying through His Word. You've got to push through that. And I sense, uh, especially um, like in like emerging generations, a real lack of that, you know. Just being like, yeah, I did this, and man, that was, I shouldn't have done that. Always an excuse, always a reason, always a whatever. And sometimes I just want to say, look, just, just admit it. You messed up. Own up to it. You know, sometimes I, I told, tell college students this sometimes, like, my favorite moments in The Godfather, in the first one, is uh, when Johnny Fontaine comes in. And he's all, like, upset. You know, he's, like, crying and stuff. And what does, what does Vito do? He grabs him by the, by the shirt collar, and he's like, you're going to act like a man. That's what you're going to do. And sometimes I want to do that to people, even, even females. Just be like, you've got you to gotta own up to this. Like, you, you can't sit here and find someone to blame all the time. Just admit it. You messed up. Just say it. And so the first thing that we do is we confess, and we said, I did this. The second thing that you do is you repent of that. Sometimes we confess stuff, but we, we don't really regret it, you know. Like, you're not acknowledging that it was wrong. You're saying, yeah, I did it, whatever. But confession and repentance are like two sides of the same coin, really. That if we want confession as a discipline, we're saying, this is what I did. Like, I'm owning up to it. And repentance is saying, and I want to I turn from that completely. Like, I want to change the way that I think about that situation that led to that. Like, I want, to, I want a 180 from that. I want to go and sin no more. I mean, simply, like in, in Psalm 38, verse 18, he just says, I acknowledge my sin, and I'm sorry for it. My repentance sin. I don't want to continue in this anymore. I'm tired of this. And that's the second step. So we confess it, and then we repent. And the third thing that we do is we claim the forgiveness of Jesus that He offers to us. It always bothers me when people ask Jesus for forgiveness. Like, will you forgive me of this? And He's like, I already died. What more does it take? Yes, you're forgiven. 
The third step is not to ask Him to forgive you. It's to intentionally claim the forgiveness that He's offering. And you're saying, thank you that your blood has covered this sin. That I'm dressed in your righteousness. Thank you that I am new. Thank you that I am blessed as defined by Jesus, as, def- as defined by David. Thank you that I can come to you and confess in the, to you and you're not going to explode me, you know. Thank you that I can repent and your desire is to lead me in the way everlasting, is to help me empower my efforts to go and sin no more. And thank you that all this is possible because of the cross Thank you that there's no condemnation for me because of this. Now, why, why would this be a discipline? I think there's like some like skeptical part of all of us that's resistant to it. He's like, why well, ask for forgiveness if he's already forgiven it? And I don't really understand the point and whatever. And, and I think um, if you are a blamer, you don't want to confess. If, you are, um, if you're a placator, then you just, like, you're going to sit in that second part for so long, and you're just going to be like, oh, I'm, so, I'm the worst, I'm the worst, I'm the worst. I think we all move through that last one. And what this process does, here's, here's, here's what it will bring to you. It will bring closure to you. It's training yourself in... The closure that Jesus offers. And man, we need that. Because the enemy has a field day with stuff that we, we know we're forgiven of it. You know, like we know it in theory, but we haven't processed through it. We haven't confessed it. We haven't repented of it. And we haven't claimed the blood of Jesus specifically on that. And what, when there's no closure there, there's this little opening Scripture tells us not to give the devil a foothold. He has little tiny, dainty little feet. And he can get them in there. And although in reality we are forgiven, a lot of times our minds haven't gotten there yet. And that foothold forms. When we're regularly confessing and working through the gospel and applying it to those, those areas of life where we have sinned, um, is smoothing that out. And he can't get his foot in there. Because there are some of you, and I know this from just living life with you, some of you that you did something at some point in your life and you cannot get over it. Well, maybe it's because you, you haven't processed it to the point of letting Jesus bring closure to that and letting him speak to it and him say, like you say, yeah, I did this and I was wrong. And he says, yeah, you were wrong. And you repent of that. You say, I want to go and sin no more. And he's like, yeah, that's what I want for you too. And you say, thank you for the blood and the forgiveness that is is mine through what you've done on the cross. And he says, you're welcome. I love you. Let's move on. And so... You go from being someone who can't get over this time you just royally mess things up. You go from that to becoming someone who is just like, man, God's so good to me. Like he, He's given me peace about that. I will eternally regret the sin of that. 
but His grace will eternally be greater than that sin. That's closure. That's what Jesus offers us. And so look at the last couple of verses as I wrap up. Verse 6. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. He's really saying, like, don't put this off. I mean, David, okay, man after God's own heart, is sharing this wisdom with us. Saying, this is a blessed life. This is how when I was clueless and was in complete chaos. And this is what brought me peace. Now you, just don't put it off. Don't walk around in chaos. Confess. Repent. Receive the grace of Jesus. It says, Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach Him. The waters will not reach Him. Uh, You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Okay, listen to me. It doesn't matter what you've done. Uh, Jesus is not, like, He's not freaked out by it. You know, He's not ashamed of you. He's not weirded out by your sin. He's not keeping you at arm's length. He's okay. Shouts of deliverance. Okay, there's strength, there's security. David is saying, I've learned that uh, God's just bigger than anything that I've, like, done. Grace that is greater than all our sin. So he's encouraging us, encouraging his readers. He's encouraging himself, writing these things down, maybe, in, maybe as a reminder to himself. Like, hey, don't put it off. God's not afraid of my sin. He's greater than my sin. Verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Okay? It's, it's shifted. This is like God first person type stuff. You know what it says? I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. You nervous about the repentance part of that? The go and sin no more part? Um, Psalm 23 is real. Jesus really will lead you down a path of righteousness for His namesake. He will instruct you and guide you in the way you should go. Empowering the efforts just the way that a vine empowers the branch. It's all true and real. So don't let that part hang you up. Verse 9. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Hey, don't be a stubborn animal. They're dumb. You've got to force them. Don't be stubborn. Be teachable. Be humble. It's one of the greatest things about David's character at all is just this humility and this teachability. And even in the midst of some of the darkest days of his own life, like he's just owning up to stuff and he's learning from that. And God's saying, don't. Don't be stubborn. Let me lead you. I'm good. I'm better, better than you can dream me up to be. 
write the most descriptive paragraph about how this would be the greatest scenario of who God is. He says, and I'll blow that out of the water. You have no idea. Don't be stubborn. Verse 10, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. What a beautiful description. Steadfast love surrounds us. Gladness, rejoicing, righteousness, joy, all for you who are upright in heart. And that's us, right? In Christ, that's us. So don't miss that. Don't miss that. What he's describing is the life that you want. I know, I know it is. I know it is. Because God wired you up that way. He wired you up on purpose to desire His glory above all things, to walk in nearness with Him, in close relationship with Him. That's what we all want. None of us want to live in stagnance. And I believe that Scripture clearly teaches, not only here, but all, it's, it's everywhere. It took me a while to narrow it down, like what text we're going to go through. I believe Scripture gives us the key in a lot of ways to not letting those things create stagnance in our minds, but to give us those outlets. He's constantly bringing closure. So we can't be prideful and unwilling to admit that we mess up. We can't be clueless in thinking that, you know, living in this world, we're just going to be perfect all the time. Jesus knows we're not going to be perfect all the time. That's part of why, what He died for. And so we confess, we repent, we receive the grace of Jesus that He offers us, and we let Him bring closure to the things that, that we have done. And it's beautiful. What a great aspect of the Gospel. But, a lot of times, we just don't want to admit that we were wrong. And so really, it's, it's up to you. You know, I was, I was thinking about, like, what's the, how does this fit into Lent, you know? And I was like, what if, what if we just went the whole rest of Lent, and every single day, we made it a priority to have confession be a part of that day somehow? Like, we're going to walk through, we're going to walk through, it doesn't have to be those three, it's not the magic formula or whatever, it's just it's hopefully helpful, but what if confession was a part of every single day all the way until Easter? And what if you started with some of those like painful things in your past? And what if you walked yourself through some sort of progression like that and let Jesus bring closure to that, that time when you were in high school or that time when you were in college or whatever? And what if you start with some of those big, big wounds in your life? And, and then what if, what if it just gets to where like every day, before you go to sleep... You do like, C.J. Mahaney is a pastor and he, he does this. Like he thinks through his day and tries to find all the ways where he just chose himself over the Lord and he re- confesses it and repents and claims the blood of Jesus on those things. What if that was 
the closure of every day for you. Imagine the kind of freedom. Imagine the abiding sense that you would have. Imagine how different um, it would be when you're like, oh, his mercies are new every morning. Oh, cool. I get that now. I don't know what it looks like. It would be a, I think it would be just the, the coolest thing if we undertook that. But I'm not a big programmer. So if you want to do that, that would be awesome. And if you do it, let me know how it goes. Um, but there has to be some sort of application, not to create rules, but like what a great discipline to build into our lives. And the best part about the discipline is that it keeps us focused on what Jesus has done. Like it keeps us living that cross-centered life that we all want and we all need. So I hope this has been helpful. Um, let me pray for us. We're going to walk through this a little bit, and then we're going to sing some. But let me pray as the band comes back. Lord, I thank you for um, just the confidence that comes from knowing that that your grace really is greater than all our sin. That all the all the sin of our entire lives, not only for us, but for not for only for us individually, but us corporately, and for all of humanity, that your grace is, covers <laughs> covers truly a multitude. Thank you, God, that you are much, much bigger than we, uh, than we realize. And Lord, there's certainly a lot of, a lot of wounds in a room like this, and uh, just a lot of painful experiences. And and maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we've been better at this than it seems. But Lord, we see in the scriptures the benefit of what these saints have learned. We understand your desire to bring closure to our lives. And to continue to enable us to walk in freedom. So help us, Lord, to know how to apply this. And maybe give us a vision for, uh, for the season of Lent that we could could really just get the most out of it. Like we just want to get everything out of it that you want for us. So I ask, Lord, you just show us how to apply this. So while we're still being prayerful, I just want to walk us through it real quick. So maybe go, whatever, go through today or go to some, just something. Go to some experience you know where you're, you just know, I chose myself over the Lord in this moment. And just, I mean, just confess it. Just tell Him I was wrong. And when you feel like you've confessed, move to Repentance. And just, just tell him you want to go and sin no more in that way, and you need his help.
And then just let your mind go to the cross. And let Jesus speak into that experience. Just let Him tell you, I died for, for that. It's covered. It's good. It's done. Let Him bring closure to that. Jesus, we thank You for Your grace. And pray, Lord, that as we sing, God, that you would just cover, cover this over. That you would help these songs maybe just be tangible reminders of the closure that you provide. That you have dealt once and for all with sin. And you continually speak to our sins, bringing us the peace that passes all understanding. And so as we sing, Lord, may we do so in a way that is just glorifying you for all that you've done.